Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. What's up, Cam? What's going on, man? Uh, episode two, I think we're we're moving right along here. We're going to give this another shot. I mean, we haven't screwed up so bad that they didn't kick us off the first shot, so we might as well give it a go for number two, right? Everybody must be like on vacation or something, the people that make decisions, because how they're letting us do another episode is beyond me. Yeah, I, I don't, I, or nobody's listened to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's way down on the list in the inbox. Yeah. But hey, you know what? That's just what we do. We're trying over here to, you know, make new things happen, make fun things happen, and make everybody happy all in the same time. So, Well, I'm not one for participation awards, but in this case, I'll take an A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. So what do we want to talk about this weekend or this week or whatever day it is? I don't even know what day it is. That's what happens when uh, you have children. You, you forget what day it is, but... Okay. All my all my days end in Y. They just all run together. That's it. I'm, I'm, just, know, so. I'm just working to try to figure out how to uh, be that retired guy where every night's a Saturday night and, you know, every day's a Sunday morning. N- not a chance. I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to go after that as well, but I, I'm also trying to get my uh, phone to go ding all the time knowing that money got deposited in my checking account. So uh, I'm just going to keep on grinding away here. I've never heard that ding. You need a new bank. I do. <laughs> I don't like my current bank. I've already had major issues with them last week. That's Maybe a story your, for another day. <laughs> Maybe it's your wife's phone that goes ding and you just don't know about it. This is a true story. And then somebody that decides to take my wife's debit card and, and go ding and at a lot of other places <laughs> that I didn't pay, that I that I paid for and I didn't know about. See, you need you need you need a bank with a ding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a ding dong. <laughs> For sure. Well, hey, uh, what you said that you had an interesting weekend out testing this past weekend. What uh, what went on out that way? Well, you know, I mean, it's always uh, – I'm probably at a racetrack every single weekend, it seems like. And, you know, there's always interesting things. You, you meet people, you come across certain things and situations and people, and you meet a lot of really cool people along the way. And um, not necessarily last weekend. I mean, we were out there testing the A fuel car and, uh, but this just got me thinking about something that I thought would be really cool to, to talk about. Um, there was some, a bunch of people out there testing, like getting licenses and, you know, a bunch of stuff. It's Formosa Raceway up in Bakersfield. They host the California hot rod reunion. So there's always a bunch of nostalgia cars there, like getting licenses. And, you know, there was a guy in a fuel altered that was doing his thing (laughs) and uh um but so what got me to thinking was there was a quite a wide array of people and things going on out there i mean there was some dude in literally like i wanted to i thought that his car was bolted together after he took it out of the flatbed of his of his truck but i mean like didn't even have a trailer and then there's people rolling in in like the full-on like john force setup semi so it got me thinking like there's a lot of people that you know you probably deal with on a day-to-day basis with the dragstersforsale.com stuff and then myself too at race pack like we get these calls or like even if i'm at the track like people are like oh man like i want to get into racing and like i want to buy a car and it's like okay like 
there's so many questions that can be asked and answered and, you know, that kind of thing. And, like, if you don't know anything other than being, like, a fan that, you know, I want to go race, I want to go fast, like, how do you get into racing? Like, what, what do we do kind of thing? Oh, that's – I mean, that is a good good point. I mean, we do get those questions a lot. And I guess if you're going to have a casual conversation with someone – Yeah, let's keep of, it casual. Completely casual. Let's not let's not do anything formal. You know, we're not trying to get married here to anything. But you know, just look at it from the standpoint of any hobby, or remind somebody about how it was when they were a kid playing a sport. You know, you had to go. You, you know, you start. Let's let's take baseball. I like baseball. So you had to start in like t-ball. That's the one that you, you score to, touchdowns, right? Right, 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 right. Okay. It, it, you know, it, it depends on where you're Maybe in California they do it that way. Uh, not down in North Carolina. Anyway, so uh, moving right along, I, you know, you have to start out learning the basics. And I guess if you wanted to look at it from that standpoint, it you can just carry it right over into drag racing. You have to buy the right equipment, whether that right equipment is competitive, has the potential to be competitive, and you're looking at it as that hobby or that sport that you're trying to learn. You've got to start with the basics. And people, a lot of times people just have a sum of money. They say, I want to spend 20 grand and I want to have a car that goes 450s. And you're going, that's not possible. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, you have to have those conversations. And a lot of people uh, just really do. They think it's like going into Dick's Sporting Goods or something and you want to play golf. You walk back there, you pick up one box that's got all the clubs in it. You buy a pair of shoes, you walk out of the store and the next thing you know, you should be on the golf channel. And that's just really not the way it works. And so I hope that uh, that people don't get offended when you're like, hey, look, stop. Okay, you're you're going too fast here. We got to buy the right stuff, or this isn't safe in your car, or that's going to fail at some point. You could have a potential accident on your hand, or well, not make a run. That's what people don't realize is okay. Yeah, like you, you mentioned, golf or baseball. Like yeah, like those are really cool sports, and a lot of people do those, and people can relate to them. But when you you pull in some race car situations to it, dude, these things can kill you. So I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that you can't get whacked in the head with a golf ball. Like, I mean, if you're standing next to me when I'm swinging a golf club, that's you usually want to wear your racing helmet. But what I'm saying is, like, if you buy the wrong thing and a bolt falls off or whatever because you bought like a total jalopy and don't check things or whatever, like, you can die. And that's important <laughs> to think about. Like, people that think like, oh yeah, I just got a chunk of money. Like, I'm gonna go racing. Well. There's another whole other element to this whole thing that people don't really understand. Like, yeah, it's fun, but it's it's extremely dangerous. Oh, for sure. And and that's something that I guess when you I guess when you start your relationship or your journey into motorsports, I hopefully it's just like those sports though. You find somebody that can be like your mentor or your coach or or you if nothing else, you just trust them. Mm-hmm. They're not they won't steal your money they won't overcharge you they won't sell you junk they'll actually genuinely look out for your well-being and your financial investment and for us as a company you know drag racing is a sport that depending upon where you are in the country it could be 
struggling, declining, or it could be growing. And for us, we sell parts and race cars to everybody. So we don't want anyone to be taken advantage of or waste money or, or get fed up and leave the sport. I'd much rather come over and say, hey, wait, you know, don't do that. Let's try this. Let's spend this. What do you have to spend? Okay, well, we can't buy that, but here would be the next best option. Let's, you know, let's kind of go through some steps here. And they just, I mean, you've got a couple schools out there, and there's definitely people out there that you can depend on, uh, whether it's on the West Coast, uh, across the country, Frank Holly, Roy Hill, Tom Bear. There's, uh, you know, there's all kinds of people that have schools to teach you how to drive. How to drive, exactly, but not how to buy. And that, that's, I think I think the drag racing schools are awesome. I actually I used to work at Frank Holly School when I was in college, and uh, it's great. It gives you the fundamentals and of how to go to, down the track. But what they really don't teach you, like like you said, is how to buy a dragster or how to do these things. And you know, ninety nine or ninety eight percent of the people out in the drag racing world or most racing world, they're all legit people, and they want to help and they want to help you get going. But there's a couple that you you're kind of not sure about which you have you live and learn like any sport or whatever but for the most part everybody wants to help you but then again there's also the people that are nice and they but they just want to get rid of their old junk that's sitting in their garage too so let i guess you know as we start talking here let let's relate this to i mean you race super comp or you did and i currently race super comp sometimes (laughs) um so what uh what let's talk about like when we first got started like wh- like what mistakes did you make or what mistakes I made versus you know what we should have done or what we know now because we're both I mean you work for a a huge deal that sells dragsters and race cars and parts and I work for Race Pack which we build data logs which help people save money even though people think they're expensive at the end of the day we end up saving a you guys a ton of money because you learn so much in one run then that you wouldn't in making 500 passes and didn't know that your tires were shit. Oh, for sure. And I can, I can totally relate to being the guy that bought something that he should have never bought and got in over his head and had a huge learning curve. And I, I think, you know, as I guess to go back to human nature, we're all prideful people. You know, if we get, you know, and we're competitive, right? So you, you get into racing, you probably were competitive at something else in life and you you can see and thrive on the competition that goes on in racing, but you're also prideful. And so to admit now being 45 years old that I made a lot of mistakes in my 20s. Wait, 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 wait. You're 45 years old? I'm old, dude. I'm halfway to 90. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Hashtag true story. Uh, So, you know, to be able now to admit it and go back, I saw my hiccups and my mistakes and potholes and and bad planning and financial and and everything. Totally get it. So now it's kind of like, I hate to say it, now I'm a hypocrite. And now I'm trying to keep people from making the same mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And hashtag underlying story. This goes to my girls as well because I try to tell them all the time about the mistakes they're making. Uh, but, you know, I'm just a dad. Now, back to your regular schedule program. So I want to do that and help them help people do the right thing for their future. And if they don't do it, 
you know, it's okay. I did my best. I vocalized it to you. I tried to help you. Uh, but you're for sure. And now it's funny, you know, all these years fast forwarded that I'm going, man, every time I see somebody, I'm going, man, I know what that guy's going through. I know what that guy's going through. I know what that gal's going through. Mm-hmm. I see it. You know, I lived it. And so it is, uh, it is important. And, and you know, uh, we can jump ahead now to the point where, I mean, I mean, I race in a class now that, you know, it is nine times out of 10, it's the John force haulers that come rolling in with the big motor homes and the stacker trailers and, and all this. And, you know, I got me and my wife, we're in a one ton dually and a living quarters trailer. And we got a 20 year old car and, you know, I joke around and, and kind of tell people all the time, I've never seen anybody get their rig in the winter circle photo. Hell yeah, you don't, you don't race the rig. I used to always say that. Yeah, you don't race the rig and you don't race your pit spot. Mm. Yes, yes. You know that'll, I mean? that'll be a whole other discussion for another day. <laughs> That's a whole other 30-minute podcast about pit spot fighting, but... I mean, come on. You know what I mean? But... I really do think that our company as a whole, as well as your company, because we sell your products and we try to tell people we're trying to help you. Uh, I I really believe as a whole that the modern era of keeping people and minimizing their mistakes, I think we're in it. I think we're in the golden age of being able to accomplish that. Uh, But there are still the there are still a few of the the hard heads out there. Yeah. So. I guess I'll use when I first got into super competent as an example, I was able to have a set budget that I was able to spend and I had gotten my license and I said, this is obviously I'm going to continue my career within racing and I need a super comp car and that's where I want to start super comp dragster. And, but I couldn't spend $70,000 on, you know, the, the top of the line stuff. Well, thinking that okay well i just i just need something right you know okay <laughs> and i didn't really know like that was about the time like four link cars and all that like they had been around but like then that was the turning point where people started going from like 168 to like 178 and that's like 10 miles an hour you think isn't a big deal but that's about what 10 15,000 dollars when it comes to motor situation or even 20 yep. so you know, I, I had bought an operation that had a blown up motor and the car was relatively decent and, or at least I thought, right. It was a hardtail. you know, turn, <laughs> turned out it was a, it was an a drag, a comp, a dragster that it looked sick. Like <laughs> but it wasn't really set. I mean, it had a wing, had front canards and like, you know, the whole, the whole deal and like the windows on the side, like the comp style and, um, but oh. it was a screaming deal, right? And it came with a bu- It came with a. All I knew was it had a power glide transmission with a Deedenberg case, and like I knew that was good because my buddy had told me that, right? So I I listened to him, like, oh, that's good. Like, I don't need all the shields and all that. And okay, cool. So I go and I I buy this thing, and it had all these parts, and we put this this motor together. I had some friends of mine help us or whatever, and just kind of threw the parts together, and. Next thing I know, I'm out there, like, the third run, the thing kicks the rods out of it. 
And Ouch. I'm like, so here I just, I forget what I spent on everything. Let's just, let's just for round numbers say, say I spent 20 grand on everything, which it was way less than that, but I, I don't remember what it was. So I just spent $20,000 and now I don't have shit. And a flower I'll, pot. Yeah. And I'm like, well, now I don't have another $20,000 to build this again. Like, so basically that's what I'm getting at. Like, I thought that this was a screaming deal. And next thing you know, like. I'm screwed because now I you have, were screaming. Yeah now <laughs> now now I have a a pedal car and don't have the money to fix it. So yabba dabba do. Yeah. So that's kind of what sparked this. Like, what is in your opinion? Like, what would you do if you know if you could rewind? I want to go buy a super comp operation, and I use super comp like I said because we both use, we both raced it or have raced it or do race it. And also, it's not really a most entry level, but it's the one that everybody's like, oh, okay, A, it checks all the boxes. It's a dragster. You can have a badass paint job on it. And you can pretty much drive it around the pits like it's a streetcar because it has a radiator and you don't, re- it doesn't require a lot of maintenance once you get rolling. So if you were to go tell somebody, hey, I got a $25,000 budget and I'm going to go racing, what would you tell them to do? Go buy a used car, go guy, call somebody, look, go on racing junk and find the cheapest jalopy you can find and build something or what? How about we wait till we have a little bit more money? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, you know, and I think that's because even just take your case, your situation. So 25 grand nowadays will get you a decent rolling Four-link super comp car, right? right? No engine, no transmission, no headers. I mean, you'll find some that are out there that are probably, you know, I've seen some 06, 08, 09 Mulluses and Miller cars and stuff that are probably that you can get for like nineteen dollars to $23,000. But that's just the car. There's no engine. There's no transmission. Uh, you haven't decided to go to the racetrack yet. Uh, you know, so... You, you don't have a lot of window there. Uh, and, if, and if you go and find something, you're like, oh, I, I'll just buy this. Well, you, okay, you have, I, I mean, really? So now what are you going to do? You're going to keep it? It's, you know, it, you're, you're going to work on it to try to make it better. Uh, and so instead of just buying something that's proven. Yeah, you're going to work lot- on it. You're going you're gonna to bust your ass. You're going to say F drag racing at the end of the day because you're so pissed off and stressed out. And all that, because everybody forgets about the stressfulness of going to the racetrack for your first time and you don't know anybody and the thing doesn't want to spin over for whatever reason or the trans brake button doesn't work and all that crap. But, and then you just spent $25,000 on this. And then what's going to happen is fast forward to, let's say a year-ish later, you're going to be like, F this car, I'm buying another one. So now you're, you're, you're going to end up spending the same amount of money regardless and then you know, minus the frustration, you know, you, but you've had all this frustration and then you got to sell this other car that's just sitting there and you're like, the hell am I going to do with this? And I can't sell it for anything because other people already know that this that is it's a-, a hunk of junk. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it is. And so, you know, and not to go back onto some marketing stuff, but the whole drag racing bit, if everybody would, um, enter it into it, like they would think about a business, 
and running a company and look at it from that standpoint. If they would start from square one like that, I, if, if somebody would have come back 25 years ago to me and said, okay, this is where you need to start at and this is the thought process you need to have, I would be so much further along in my life. I'd have so much more money and I would be so much happier and probably have less gray hair. But nonetheless, that's the problem is that you get involved and you just spin and spin and spin and there's no learning in there and you're not doing it the right way. And it's a struggle. And so uh, I think there was um, I was listening to XM radio the other day and they had this like long winded interview with Clint Boyer. And, and he would, you know, they kept saying, man, you just look like you're having so much fun, you know, racing this year. And he goes, no, I'm not. Fun was driving a street stock that I went to the junkyard with my buddies and we ran on Friday and Saturday night, blew it up, left it at the racetrack and took another $500 and went and got some. That was fun. This is work. Yeah. Winning's great. There's nothing better than winning because, but this is work. And so I think if everybody kind of approaches it, it's going to have a level of fun, but it's work. So if it's work, then why shouldn't it be like run like a business so that you can have the potential to have more fun than you will less work, but you're going to have to spend more money to achieve that fun and be competitive. And I, I think there's a balancing act there as I'm sitting here waving my hands up in, in the air back and forth that I don't think everybody looks at. I think they just like, hey, oh, I got up some money. I want to go buy a race car because I want to go fast. And then anything else after that is kind of like all the ingredients that they left out of the cake. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. They Everybody just goes back and forth and you know, th- like we said at the beginning of this podcast, that there's a bunch of different ways to go racing. And we're just using this as one example of just moral to the story is spend your money the right way, the correct way. Take an extra month or two. Like, you're not going to go out there and win the world championship the first six months that you've gotten into this stuff anyways. Don't even worry about going to national events. Don't, like, go to the local bracket race, cruise around, ask questions, See what's going on. Don't just buy the first thing you bought on Craig or you saw on Craigslist because it seemed like a smoking deal. Because usually those smoking deals are going to end up costing you about three times the amount of money. And you know, like, what would you, what would you buy if you had, you know, I mean, let's not say an endless budget, but where would you start? Like, okay, I want a four link dragster. Don O'Neill and Cameron Ferre told me that I needed a four link dragster. Where do you go from there? Got to buy a name brand one. And in the other part of that, so you, how about we relate it back to like what you and I do? So I tell people all the time, look, we're not the cheapest in the business, but we're really good at what we do and our customer service goes along with it. So when we tell people when we sell them something that we've bought or we go out and find it for them, it's because we trust it and we know it. And it's going to be dependable for you and the reliabilities in there. So we're trying to cut out the frustration level of not being happy and not enjoying it and spending extra money. I think that goes a long way. You know, if someone says, oh, well, we said go buy this. You have to also remember when you buy buy something that you're going to call, call that company up and you're going to, you know, you're going to need parts that's going to, you know, that may break on it, or you're going to need help with chassis tuning set up, you know, and so forth and so on. You have to make sure 
that you don't buy parts from a company that went out of business 15 years ago. Oh, hell yeah. And that's what you talked about having, buying a name brand dragster. If you buy some home built thing that some guy built in his garage, like that's cool. Like maybe you got to scream and deal on it, but what happens when you acquire it and you're like, well, these, these four link bars you, you speak of, what, are, <laughs> what is that? Like, I thought this was a dragster. Why the hell is there shocks on it? Yeah. You know, like, who do you, who do you call? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that, that's just a huge thing. Like a, a name brand car, like save the extra few grand and, and get something that's, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to call the company and say, oh, you know, here's a hundred grand, like open ticket, bill me whatever. Like we're talking right. like a used car, like you said, oh, six, oh, eight, like something that at least has four link on it that you can maybe, maybe you got to replace a shock or whatever. Like, but at least you have the bones to something. Oh, yeah, to always improve on. It would be no different than an engine combination or a transmission combination. Buy something that's known that you can take to an engine shop, you know, locally uh, and have it freshened and have it gone through so that you start your preventive maintenance cycle. You know, people... Uh, people don't think about this and I start uh because I'm like, man, how many stories do I have about people that they they went and they did something and it's like, you know, it broke a rod. And, you know, my first question always is somebody when they say, oh, yeah, I kicked the rod outside of the block. I'm like, how many runs did the rods have on them? When was the last time the bo- the rod bolts were changed? That's where were you they insert cha- the uh, I don't know emoji. Hey, right. And everybody's <laughs> going, well, it's got 300 runs on it and the rod bolts haven't been changed yet. Uh, okay all right all right so let's get into that so we talked about car like buy a decent name brand car you know not 25 years old but you know relatively relative so let's talk about motor okay super comp Uh, you know when i first started everybody's like oh just just build a 468 like (laughs) just build and i'm like "Uh, oh okay like whatever but now i mean shit 468 you wouldn't even put that in a freaking super street car anything like that you know so you know like in my personal stuff like i don't like the car i have now it doesn't have a huge motor but it's a it's a proven combination that everybody uses it's a 565 with conventional heads on it you know or you know i guess they're dart pro one heads or whatever and it, it goes it goes 174 miles an hour 890 and it's very consistent now am i the fastest guy out there no way in hell you know, I used to be middle of the pack, but now I'm probably the lower end of the middle of the pack. But, you know, I can't necessarily afford a $45,000 super comp engine to go 188 miles an hour. But I'm at least not sitting a sitting duck at 155 with a 400. Yeah, with a 468 because I was that guy once too. So. Well, no, and that's for sure because, you know, but the note. People don't think about this, right? So I got this engine. It's, uh, you know, I, I bought this used 632. It's got 18 degree heads on it. Uh, guy used to run it in Top Sportsman, and I'm going to put it in a super comp car. I got a screaming deal on it. Okay, that may, that happens all the time, right? Because everybody at the top, we build bigger. We want to go faster. Our stuff slowly comes down the funnel into the other classes. Here's the thing the super comp people don't ever think about when they do that, when they're buying used stuff like that. So we have a maintenance program, a hundred, hundred runs. It gets lifters. It gets valve springs. Sometimes it gets valves, you know, because you're putting such a strain on the valve train. 
Super comp guys make way more runs than top sportsman guys do. Way more. And so they don't think about the maintenance rate. Yo, go buy that 18-degree head. No problem. And then 100 runs in, you're like, oh, broke a valve spring. You're like, okay, uh, probably need to change the cam in it so it's not as radical and it's more consistent and, and so forth. That's one thing that I – the reason why I stick with my 565 because, you know, with driving other things, like I want something that's consistent. I can pull it out of the trailer, run the valves, and go. I don't have to be like, oh, dude, like I got to change valve springs all the – like that's not my MO when I go super comp racing. Like I, I'm interested in going and then getting my ass waxed on the starting line or at the top end and then going straight to the cooler. Because that's when I like to spend the time with my family and that kind of thing. You know, when I'm doing any other stuff, that's, you know, super comp is my outlet to just hang out. So, like, I as long as it's maintenance and correctly before I get there, you know, I'm not interested in chasing all oh. that stuff. Oh, man, you sound like I got two. I got two comments. So J.R. Lobner, right, he runs Top Sportsman. He's been setting the world on fire and we poke fun at each other always through text message and stuff. And, you know, I told him, I was like, you know, you need to spray that thing. It only goes 740s. What, you know, it's big old motor. Let's put some jet jet in. Let's let's spray. Let's go. And he's like, look, I don't have time with work and my kids to come home and have to be putting pistons or doing crazy maintenance on this car. I needed to go in a trailer at the racetrack in one piece and come the next time it comes out of the trailer, I need it to be in one piece. I got other stuff to do. And that's, that is the perfect picture of someone that's they're out there. They're being competitive. They're winning. They've got a proven combination. It turns on the wind light. It's low maintenance. Yep. And then I, and then my next story is I remember when we started running top sportsman, my wife, you know, she knew me with super comp and the dragster come back from a run, enter the running computer, download a run, put the battery charger on it, put fuel in it and sit around, wait for the next call. Right. Eat a easy. sandwich. Eat a sandwich. Totally easy. We started running top sportsman. She was like, holy cow, this is work. We got bottles to change, parachutes to pack, spark plugs. To She's like, oh, my God. Some days parachutes I did. To pack. I've never even right. pulled the chute on my supercar. I don't know I'm what sorry. it looks like, to be honest. <laughs> it's the square thing that they shove in a bag and it's got a spring. Yeah. But anyway, I totally get it. And people don't think about those things when it comes to getting started in racing. Well, see what people don't like for me, for instance, like. My wife and I, we live in a condo, right? So I can't keep a dragster, a motorhome, a 32-foot trailer in our garage, right? So I have to have store, you know, I keep it all at my grandparents' house. But that my grandparents live an hour and a half away from me. So in order for me to go work on the damn thing, I got to find a Saturday that I'm actually home for once. That You're supposed to be racing on Saturdays. Well, yeah, exactly. Or I'm, or I'm working for Race Pack doing tech support or a marketing activity or whatever. So uh, time is limited. And then the days that I'm not at a racetrack, I'd like to spend it with my family. Luckily, my wife is awesome enough to where she wants to go work on the car too. You know, but again, we're driving an hour and a half there, pull out the trailer, get the car out of the garage, like work on it, do all that stuff. And it's like, just that is an event in itself. So if I had to do that four times a week, like, and I'm not afraid of work by any means, but what I'm saying is like, you know, with the, the a fuel, the top fuel stuff, like that's, that's where the focus would be when it comes to maintenance and like working, like grinding and doing all that stuff. And like, so yeah, when we go bracket race, like 
if you buy the right stuff correctly the first time, you generally wouldn't, you just do your basic maintenance, you know, make sure you be preventative, be on top of it, oil, valves, like all that stuff, then you can go have fun with your family. And that's what it's all about. I mean, for sure for me. For sure. No. And that's, and, and I guess we're, you know, we're really looking at it. We just keep talking about, you know, drag racing, which everybody's probably thinking just mainly NHRA, but really it's, it's any type of level. Even if you're bracket racing, you know, there's, I remember the days people used to write articles about trailer maintenance and service and axle bearings and, you know, just all the stuff that people take for granted so that you're not stranded on the side of the highway and, and so forth and so on to to allow yourself to have an enjoyable experience of racing because there's – what what's that mean? People are – they're smiling, heading to the racetrack. And then the oh, next the Dumb and Dumber one? I love that right, one. <laughs> right. And then it's the picture of their faces coming back from the racetrack. Right. And it's like, are you kidding me? So you want to try to minimize that so that you can have something to smile about. I mean, even if all it is – is that you know you don't have to pull the car out of the trailer this week to do anything. That yep. can be something to smile about. 100%. I agree totally. You know, so basically that's, like I said, uh, we just wanted to cover a little bit about, you know, this whole racing thing as, as a whole. It's not just, oh, hey, I just bought this. Like, let's roll. Like, put some gas in it and go. Like, there's there's things that we recommend. And, and again, we're, we're no world champions and that type of thing. Like I'm just telling you and along with Don, like we're just doing this off our own personal experience. Wait a minute. I am a world champion in making mistakes. I am taking that title. I got that title. I can tell you what not to do. I I mean, anybody who wants to challenge me for the what not to do title, uh, please contact me at Don at dragstersforsale.com and we'll have a conversation, but I still think I got the title. uh, And as soon as I can get it trademarked, I will own that. Yeah, I, I, I go to the racetrack and try to and learn every single time how to lose a race or how to how to lose at drag racing. You know, there's a lot of that before before it comes to winning and you know, just be ready for that and as you're getting ready to, to embark on your motorsports thing. But I'll leave I'll leave this by saying, you know, if it wasn't for racing, I don't know why I would exist. You know, I I met my wife through racing. I met so many great friends and like, this is my life. This is what I do. And whether it's racing, super comp, top fuel, a fuel, funny cars, whatever, like I'm just down to race. And if somebody wants to hit me up, what I'm just going to throw out a little plug here. I'm looking for an S 10. I really want a foot brake S 10. I don't know why. I just think they're really badass. but anyway, uh, but it's just, it's all fun. Like, you know, so take it as just enjoy yourself at the racetrack. Don't, like you're not going to be John Forrest, Tony Schumacher the first day you're out there. So enjoy it. What? Are you sure? I, you know, I mean, maybe some people, but not me. So me, me neither. As I shake my head. Nope. But, yeah. So Don, I, I wanted to thank you for, for your expertise on, on this sort of thing. And, you know, if you guys are ever looking for a dragster or whatever, like dragstersforsale.com, like they're always up on, up on the know-how and, and whatnot. And if you guys are ever interested in a data logger for that thing to, to learn a lot more in one run than you would in 20 runs, uh, feel free to give Raceback a call too. I mean, they data loggers, dash instrumentation and things like that. Or even if you want just some questions answered, hit up Don, myself, whatever. Like even if it's not even about Racepack or a dragster, I mean, hell, Don doesn't even drive a dragster anymore. He drives a door no. car. 
I've never even, car. I've never driven a car with doors other than like my street car. But funny cars don't car. have do- funny cars don't have doors. But I'm waiting for well, the opportunity to drive a Pro Mod. So way cooler. Way cooler than driving dragsters, just saying. There's so much stuff going on. It's so way cool. Stuff's vibrating, shaking, rattling. It's making all kinds of noises. You're trying to see out a window at 200 miles an hour and judge the finish line. Way cooler than these guys that are driving dragsters. It, you know, they just barely turn their head and look, and there's nothing blocking their view. And I'm just, you know, whatever. I get it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you, but we will. We will leave it on that because we will bring this debate up. And maybe the next episode or in an upcoming episode about what's better, door cars or dragsters or drifting cars or numerous times this discussion will come back yes. up. <laughs> Circle track cars, roundy round. I'm interested in driving a dirt modified if anybody's out there for one of those. But no, all you got to do is what? Cut the wheel. Just keep the wheel turned to the right. The whole time. Yeah. Turn the right to go left. I, mean, I, actually, I actually know somebody down there in North Carolina, old David Taylor. He's a, he's one of those dirt track guys. Got got uh late model late model cars works for vp he's one of the distributors in north carolina in maine you want to talk about somebody that runs a nice team and, and oh my god that would be cool maybe 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 that would be something for loans we could get on put up or shut up let us get two late models and drive around the racetrack or something i don't know two drag racers kind of, on in dirt modifieds or late models uh, that, or whatever and that ra- would be cool racers and rental cars out there doing their thing i like it i like it i'm i'm in i'm in yeah but like i said uh thank you don for everything and thank you voice america for letting us do this and dragstressforsale.com and racepack.com we uh we greatly appreciate it and we'll be driving around in a rental car at some point in time maybe next week too so Don, for sure i will see you then all right my friend peace later Let's put it-